Let's all stand together at this time as we reverence the reading of God's Word. We're going to be looking at the second part of a message I began last week, Treasure in Clay Pots, Treasure in Clay Pots, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And may God bless the reading of his word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's the clay pots of our title. We return then to this passage that speaks so directly to the purpose of God for our lives as believers in Christ. We remember this passage takes us all the way back to the creation where God said light be and light was. And that showed us that the same God who said light become or light be, let there be light, is the same God then who has shown his light into our sin-darkened hearts. I remind you that in a way this is an even greater display of his power Uh, Because when God said, let there be light, there was nothing there. Oh, but our hearts are full. Our hearts are full of sin and of darkness and of depravity. Our hearts are full of everything that lives in rebellion against God. But God still was able to penetrate that darkness of sin with the light of His glorious gospel And as a result, then, we carry that gospel light inside of all of us, that treasure in earthen vessels, your life, my life. And God does this so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We concluded that the gospel in our clay pot kind of world works quite effectively because it runs on the power of God. It is not dependent upon the location where it is. We don't have to put it in a venue. Uh, It is not dependent upon a light show. It's not dependent upon any kind of thing that we can add to it. It is not dependent upon the power of human personality. It is not dependent on the effectiveness of the presenter. The gospel is the power of God. And God put it inside of your clay pot life and my clay pot life. And he shines it out of us then, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, to those who are blinded by the God of this world, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. These are people that don't listen to gospel radio. Uh, They don't watch preachers on TV. Uh, They're not reading Christian books. They don't read the Bible. They're not going to come to church, most likely. They might be persuaded, but more than likely if they are. It's going to be because they get to know somebody like you. Somebody who's a Christian. Somebody, clay pot though you are. You have something unique about you, something different about you. There is something shining in you, and that something is the gospel. God shines in your hearts, in mine, puts that treasure of the gospel in a clay pot. Uh, Kind of uh, unknown. It's not really something that stands out, just an ordinary vessel. He catches them off guard. They get to know us. 
And in spite of themselves, they also get to know that there's something different about us. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. So that while the gospel is hidden from their gospel-blinded mind, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Uh, The gospel is not hidden in us. And in fact, we can't hide it. Because God works to open up the vessel to reveal the treasure that's on the inside. Now, I bought a, brought a vessel today of sorts. It's not a clay pot. Uh, I saw one at the dollar store, and I almost bought it. But then I thought, you know, if I take that up there and break it, I might put somebody's eye out. So uh, <clears throat> I didn't bring that. We had to make, so use your imagination. This is my, my clay pot today. Uh, I asked Nancy to wrap it up. If we'd have had some brown paper, we'd have just used that. But we used what we did. So thank you, Nancy, for helping me. She did a pretty good job with this, as always, with everything I asked her to do. And I have asked one of our young men to help me today. So, Lance, if you will, come on up, and you're going to help me. Um, what I've got here, son, is a vessel. It is a box. Inside of this box, there is a treasure. And the treasure, let me tell you, is real. Now, it's not a million-dollar kind of treasure, okay? You can't buy a vehicle with it, but it is a real treasure. And uh, you can open this box, and you can have then the treasure. It'll be yours, okay? You can. Or you can say, you know, I like that box. It's kind of cute, and it's got stars on it, and I'd just like to keep the box. And if you choose then to just keep the box... Well, then you can keep the box, but you can never, ever, ever open it. And your mom and dad will stick with me. They'll never let you open it to see what's on the inside. So you can set this box up on a shelf in your house and look at it and think, man, how pretty. I like that box. Or right now, right here in front of everybody, you can open this up and then you can have the treasure. It's your choice. Well, let's see you do it then. Don't worry about the trash. We'll clean up the trash later. Just throw the trash down. That's kind of the whole point. All right. Sure are taking a long time. It's not fishing line. That's not what it is, I promise. Oh, you've already got some. Oh, oh there's, there's an envelope on the inside. Okay, now you've got another. You've got the same, same kind of thing. Uh, you can keep the envelope. Say, man, I like that envelope. But it says right on it, there's a, you, you want to open that envelope? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. There's, there's a treasure. There's a treasure in there. It sure is. Not much of a treasure, but it is some. There it is. It's a $10 bill. Thank you very much. I don't want the bill back, son. You, I told you, you can have that. That is yours. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even have to tell you to give Lance. Wasn't he real? That was good. He, he tore open the box, and got to the treasure. You know, that's kind of the whole point of putting a treasure inside of a clay pot is to open the pot and reveal the treasure. Now, since the, the pot in this passage refers to our life, we might be expected to want to, given the choice, hold on to the vessel 
and uh, just keep the treasure inside. After all, it is my life. But we don't get that choice. In that sense, uh, the object lesson that I chose to use today is different than the life that we all live. Because the fact is, when we receive the treasure, God bought us. We were redeemed. We're bought with the price. And our lives then become His. And He then is at work. Whether we want Him to or not. Whether we would prefer it that way or not. Whether I might say, well, I really like my vessel the way it is. And I'd like to just, I'd be perfectly comfortable with it. Just sitting up on a shelf and looking doesn't matter we don't get that option remember I told you that God put the treasure in the earthen vessels our clay pots and it is not hidden and it's not hidden because God makes sure that he opens the vessel and reveals the treasure Today we'll spend some time looking in this text to see how God does this. How God opens up our clay pot, ordinary, everyday lives to reveal the treasure of the gospel to those who are around us whose minds are blinded to the truth of the gospel. And yet even so, that incredible power of God has shined in your hearts and minds so that He is able to shine out of us And show the light of the gospel. Show the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in this sin-darkened world. Verse 8, we see the process. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Five things are mentioned in this passage that comprise the process by which God opens the vessel and reveals the treasure. Hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, and dying. Five things. Each one is presented with a contrasting truth. Some of them in Greek form a play on words, but we don't really see that, so I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot today other than to mention it to you. But every one of them presents a contrast that is related to the truth of the gospel that is in us, so that while we see the one thing, hard-pressed, the truth of the gospel has something else, we're not crushed. And because of that, then the gospel is put on display. Hard-pressed. Often used of the pressing of the grapes or the olives to squeeze out the juice or the oil. Uh, That's not a, a difficult kind of metaphor for us to understand. We all know about the pressures of life. We all know what it's like to be put under pressure, to have somebody putting the squeeze on us or circumstances putting the squeeze on us. We know what that feels like. But there is a contrasting truth put here because while an oil or while the olive is squeezed and the oil is squeezed out of it, the olive is crushed in the process. 
and it will never be crushed again. All of it's consumed in that. Not to say that there's not something to be done with that. Uh, we had a working muscadine uh, uh, vineyard next to our church at Sharon. Our church ended up buying it in Benton. And, uh, and so we began to make grapes. And one of the things we did was or make grape juice uh, from that muscadine juice. And, and we used that even to observe the Lord's Supper. It was kind of neat. We grew our own. And uh, that I, 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 under, I, I figured out there was a byproduct of that that was wonderful. Uh, I'd never heard of such a thing before. And, uh, and that was a, a muscadine pie because they took the muscadines after they squeezed the grape juice out of it then and, and, and put it in a pie like an apple pie. Oh, my goodness. It brings back wonderful memories just to think about it. Oh, it was great. It made it sound. Not to say that that crushed fruit isn't still useful in some way, but it can never be used again once the juice has been squeezed out of it. It's crushed, and it can't be done again. God is able to squeeze his glory out of us, though, without crushing us. Isn't that great? Which means that God can squeeze out the gospel in our life without consuming our life in the process. And it can be done again and again and again. So that the pressure that is exerted in your life and mine, and we feel it all the time from all kinds of sources, yet what is coming out of us is the glory of God. And, and, and the pressure today will be replaced by the pressure of tomorrow and the pressure of next week and next month and next year. But it keeps squeezing out the glory of God in ways we don't know and often don't see and aren't aware of. We're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. Perplexed speaks of the quality of not knowing what to do or where to go, much in the way that we would use the word lost, as in lost in the woods or lost without a functioning GPS. Uh, There are all kinds of situations in our life today that we used to describe by saying, well, you've gone off the map. And that was our way of saying that you had no point of reference to figure out where you were, which way you needed to go. You felt lost. You were perplexed. That's what this passage is about. Today we might say you're so lost that even your GPS can't find you. Now that's lost. That's lost. But the perplexity that is mentioned in this passage is much more significant than just our location because you can know exactly where you are but still have no earthly idea of what to do. Or where you need to go. And that feeling of perplexity. Of being lost. Is one with which we're familiar. It refers to situations. Unexpected. Circumstances. Unforeseen. That leaves us saying. I don't know what to do. But in that moment, while we are perplexed, we are lost. We're not lost. We're not lost like a a phone that is lost in the lake. No, we're not lost that way. I may not know what to do, but we're not lost in the sense that we are are no longer valuable or, or, or our function is gone. 
We may not know, you see, where to go. We might know, not know what to do. But we know the one who does. And he is right here inside of us. And so we are perplexed then. And yes, yes, we are perplexed. But not to the point of despair. Not to the point where we just sit down and give up. Because we know that Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, lives in us. And he can get me through this. And he will. He's got me through some tight spots in the past. The old hymn writer wrote about it in a song I love to sing. And I'm going to since I like it. There is an unseen hand to me that leads through ways I cannot see while traveling through this world of woe. This hand still leads me as I go. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day I'll reach that strand still guided by the unseen hand. Aren't you glad today that that unseen hand has guided you? We're lost. (laughs) We might not know where to go or what to do, but we know the one who does. Persecuted is next. A word describing a pursuit. As in somebody is out to get me. Somebody is after me. Persecuted. Paul himself had once been the pursuer. The persecutor. He knew that side well. For a long time now, Paul has been the pursued. The persecuted He well knew that persecution has an isolating effect. It's the whole purpose of the pursuit is to leave a person helpless and isolated and alone and defenseless. To see them so broken, either physically or in their character and spirit, that they are left altogether alone and isolated and no longer a threat, persecuted. But as in the other cases, we see we are persecuted But thank God, verse 9, we are not forsaken. Later in his life, Paul would say, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He gave a long list of all of the people who had forsaken him. He summed it up by saying, only Luke is with me. Aren't you thankful today for the friends that you have in your life that you know will be with you through it all. All they're precious. Thank God for Dr. Luke. Only Luke is with me. Yeah, but he had Luke. Thank God. But he had one greater than Luke. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, that refers to being thrown down to the ground or beat down or pushed down. They're writing songs today about these feelings, about people who feel like they're pushed down or struck down all the time. But for the believer, there's no guarantee that we're not going to be struck down. In fact, it's just the opposite. But there's a different perspective of things. Because this concept of being struck down could also be used of something that is thrown down deliberately. Something that is placed in order to be built upon. So something is struck down or cast down. Yes, it is, but it can be cast down so as to become a foundation. And, and while the devil wants to cast us down and the world wants to cast us down in order to break us, God would take that breaking moment and build upon it. Do you see how that works? So that we are cast down then, yes, but we are not destroyed. Not destroyed. Not cast down to be destroyed, but cast down to be built upon. Oh, how often we have looked at the example of Simon Peter, to whom Jesus said, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you. And after you're converted, he said, strengthen the brethren. I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. It didn't fail. And what the devil wanted to be the destruction of Simon Peter, in fact, ended up being his brokenness that God built into a tower of strength. All of these things then are things that are showing the gospel in your life so that, yes, we may be struck down, but when they strike us down, we come back stronger. Yes, we might be persecuted, but we're not, I'm not isolated. We're not destroyed. We're not put down to the point where our character or reputation is destroyed. We, we stand again. We may be perplexed. We don't know what to do, but we're not perplexed to the point of despair because in our perplexity, we rely on the Lord. We may be hard-pressed, but, you know, we come, keep coming back for more pressure. And in spite of anything we might try to do to the contrary, or in spite of anything anybody else might try to do to the contrary, these are things that just happen. We have no control over them. They happen. And our response then when the gospel is inside of us is a gospel response. I'm not going to tell you this morning that it's a perfect response. Oftentimes it's not. Remember, we are indeed cracked pots. And even if God has to crack our pot a little bit, the, the glory that's on the inside still comes out. Do you see that? God, it's an amazing thing. God saved the toughest one for last. The dying. And it's not surprising that that one took a lot of explanation. Verse 10, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus 
and will present us with you. It is the greatest of all of the paradoxes, of all the contrasts that that are presented in this passage. This is the biggie. We are always dying. And yet we are always manifesting the life of Jesus Christ. All of the moments of our lives, all of them, all of them, are lived under the specter and the shadow of death. All of our moments are. It came about because of the curse. Because of the sting of sin. Then comes uh, the strength of sin. Then comes the sting of death. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Obviously death is still operational. Sometimes imperceptibly. And by that I simply mean we die by getting older. (laughs) I know that's kind of a downer. But it's true. Psalmist Moses said the number of my days is with you. That tells us there is a number that's known only to God. Therefore, he said, teach me to number my days that I may apply myself under wisdom. Yeah. Death is always working in us, sometimes imperceptibly. Sometimes it's pretty obviously. But the believer in Christ, you see, has a completely different perspective on death because of the life of Jesus Christ. So that in a way that perhaps we can't understand, and I certainly can't explain to you, uh, that dying that is going on in our life is actually a manifestation of the dying of the Lord Jesus. So that by faith then, we believe, therefore we speak, we say this because we believe it. We believe it and therefore we speak it. It's not just words that are written out on a table. It's not just something we talk about. It's not just something I preach from the pulpit. We say it because we really believe it. That our dying then does not get the last word because it did not get the last word for Jesus Christ. I'm dying like Jesus died. I'm dying. His death is my death. My death then, in a sense, is like His. I'm dying, yes. But I'm dying so that I might be raised again. That the life also of Jesus might be manifested in us. This is not just words These are our foundational beliefs. We have believed the truth of the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We believe then what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also, my redeemer lives death yeah the dying yeah the dying it's very real but even in our dying and might I even say especially especially 
in our dying. God is manifesting the truth of the gospel. Because like all that long list of people in Hebrews chapter 11, unless the rapture intervenes, and hey, I'm, I'm listening for the shout. I hope you are too. Unless the rapture intervenes, all of us are going to be like those saints in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll someday die. But we won't just die. We'll die in faith. I wish I could remember the name of the old preacher who used to say it. So since I can't remember his name, I'll just quote the old preacher, Brother Rich. (laughs) He said, one of these days you may read in the newspaper or on the internet an obituary that tells you that I have died. Don't believe it. I will not have died. I will only have changed locations. My Redeemer lives because I live, Jesus says. You will live also. Quickly then, we looked in at the presentation in verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things are for your sake. That grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. You see, God uses the hard things, the difficult things, the tragedies, the disappointments, the perplexing times when we don't know what to do, the lonely times when we fall broken to the ground, even our dying time, God is using these things to show the gospel light to the other, to others, which has an incredible effect. Grace spreads through the many. So that it is not just one voice behind a pulpit in one location preaching the gospel, but it is a vast host, a huge family, a mighty army of the Lord that pierces and penetrates the darkness of our community in Little Rock and those around us and all around us, wherever we might go into the darkness and blackness of sin, into the depravity of a culture gone mad, into minds that are blinded to the truth of the gospel. God sends you. And he uses these experiences. Yes, difficult though they might be. So that other people can see the gospel working in your life and in mine. So does... God, send a mighty evangelist into your workplace Monday morning. Some great speaker. Students, will you be able to grab hold of an angel or two on your way to school and take one of the shining seraphim, the sons of light? As God send some great miracle worker into your world To work some mighty miracle. No. For the most part. God sends a clay pot. With a treasure inside of it. That he opens. As you experience the difficulties. And tragedies of life. Other people see how. You respond. 
They see how you live your life. They see how you conduct your business. They see all of these things. And they know something is different. And maybe they asked. Maybe they don't have to ask. They know that what's different is that Jesus Christ lives in you. There is a treasure in your clay pot. God never wastes time and he never wastes experiences. I thought of that some years ago when a national political leader spoke of, very famously, infamously I might say, spoke of never letting a crisis go to waste, I believe is how they put it. Because they wanted to exploit any crisis that happened for political gain. I bring that up today only to make a point, and the point is that God never exploits our crises. God doesn't exploit our pain. You see, Jesus told us very plainly that in this world you'll have tribulation. We live in a sin-cursed world, and everything that he mentions in this passage, and many more that he could have mentioned and didn't, these things happen. They happen to us. But they don't just happen because God is going to work through those things. And reveal his glory. So that as the famous preacher Ron Dunn said. And I love what he said. For the Christian there is no such thing as meaningless suffering. For the Christian there is no such thing as pointless pain. Because no matter how terrible they are. And I'm not going to deny how terrible they are. No matter how painful they are, I won't deny that they are painful. They are. But behind them all, there is an overwhelming purpose. God opens our box, our clay pot, and shows the treasure. Let's stand together, please.